The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Group sex with little children, mothers and fathers in groups of adults molesting children literally in the church on the altar? Well, that sounds like a horror film to me. A horror film in all the child molestations I have ever investigated or prosecuted took to trial. I've never heard of anything like that. You know why? Because it didn't happen. And it pains me as an officer of the court to believe this investigation went all the way to trial. People's lives ruined forever. I am talking about the Wenatchee, Washington witch hunt. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Every day when I get up at five in the morning, I've got one thing on my mind, and that is getting through the day when I bring my children back home and we have dinner together. We have supper and we talk. It's the best thing. And I have imagined over and over after speaking to these mothers and fathers, being dragged away from that supper table with my children and arrested for child rape. As we tell you a story like no other, except it's not a story. This is not a show. This is real. This happened to real people, and they are suffering right now. But through it all, they are joining us here today. Let's kick it off with this. Listen. Ran me through it. You're going to say this, this, and this happened. You've seen this happen at the church. You've seen these kids were involved. You know, and you just stick to, basically stick to the script, right? Just say what we want you to say, and you'll see your parents again. But if you don't say what we want you to say, you're never going to see them again. And I just kept praying, Lord, let her tell the truth. We raised her right and let her tell the truth. Let the truth come forward. That is just breaking my heart to hear the voices of Rebecca Osborne and Connie Robertson talking about the horrible things that have happened to them. Moms and dads being railroaded for child molestations and rapes that never happen. Little children being literally forced to give statements against their own parents, landing their parents behind bars and living the rest of their lives, carrying around a sack of rocks on their shoulders that they sent mommy and daddy to prison. 
We're only now learning the truth of the Wenatchee witch hunt. Joining me right now, you are hearing Rebecca Osborne and Connie Robertson speaking with me, Amber Doggett, Sam Doggett, John Doggett, Carol Doggett, Mark Doggett, a family torn apart literally by this event. Pastor Robbie Robertson, his wife, Connie, Rebecca Osborne. You just heard her speaking and award-winning journalist, Tom Grant. You can find him at drthomasgrant.com, award-winning journalist and the co-executive producer of In the Valley of Sin. Enough from me. Let's go to the stars of today's program. Let me start with you, Rebecca Osborne. We were just hearing your voice where you were told, you either say this or you're never seeing your mom and dad again. And you know what, Rebecca, until I spoke with you and Sam and Amber and John, it was hard for me to believe that all these children had claimed child molestation, but that none of it happened. I'm so used to defendants trying to worm out of a child molestation charge and children being coached to say it didn't happen. It was hard for me to believe it didn't happen. It just it's against contrary to everything I've ever known. When you hear and have to think back on what happened, Rebecca, what comes to mind? Well, you know, initially it's just kind of the trauma we all went through. And I know all of us kids experienced something different, especially dependent on the ages we were at at the time. But just those sessions that I know we all would go through where we were coerced and brainwashed and told what to say. And it wasn't that we were allowed to tell the truth. You know, we were only allowed to say what they had dictated or what they had put in front of us to say. Um, But looking back on it now, you know, I'm just so thankful for the grace of God for showing me the truth in those moments. Praise the Lord that The parents have been exonerated, and I hate what they have been through. Rebecca, when you saw your mother and dad for the first time, after you had made the claims that they molested you, what happened? Are you referring to when I saw them in court? Yes, Yes, um, I remember seeing them in court that day. And pardon me, I'm a crier when I start talking about all this, but I'll try my best not to be a blubbering crybaby. Um, also, you got to remember, Rebecca and Nancy, Rebecca was only four years old. The first time an arrest warrant had ever been issued in the state of Washington for a yeah. four-year-old minor child, them trying to find her when she was running before the state got a hold of her. Yeah, I was I was literally arrested when they when they took me into custody. But when I saw my parents for the first time in court, um, I remember kind of having the thought process like, OK, well, they said that if I said what they wanted me to say, that I would see my parents again. So I'm seeing them. So I guess I have to say what they want me to say to go home with them. But I knew again absolutely 100% only the grace of God when I was on that stand and they swore me in and they said tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth that stuck with me right now even though I was only four that statement stuck with me and I just remember when they started asking me questions I just I just started telling the truth the honest to God truth and the prosecutor was just upset he didn't know what was going on because they had already talked to me right before I went on the stand and already had me you know geared up with my script everything I was supposed to say and uh, the prosecutor was just flabbergasted he's like I don't even know what to do here you know like he was he was in an uproar and and everybody on that side was just dumbfounded and um, I just I just looked them all straight in the face and I said, my parents never did anything. They never did anything you guys said happened to me. And I'm not going to sit here and lie because I know the difference between the truth and a lie. And I'm not going to lie. To Pastor Robbie Robertson, do you remember that moment in court? Only too well. My wife, Connie, was holding my hand and almost broke my 
broke my hand. She was squeezing it. She couldn't look up. She couldn't look at Rebecca. We hadn't seen Rebecca in almost nine months. Never was able to talk to her all this time. They kept her totally away from us. But, uh, yeah, I kept looking at her, and I just smiled. And every once in a while, she would look over and, and uh, uh, didn't say anything. Mr. Van Sicklin told Connie, he said, whatever you do, do not cry. Do not cry. And we were sitting there. First time we'd seen her, and Nancy, it was the hardest thing in the world to just sit there like a bump on a log with no emotion. But uh, it was amazing. I'll tell you what, it was amazing. Watching her, I don't know. I, I, I can't even explain it. And when she said that, what she's telling you, they flipped out. And it was unbelievable. You could see it in the jury's face. Every once in a while, I glanced over while she was talking. And, and Mr. Van Sicklin, our lawyer, uh, it was pretty obvious that after he talked to her, it was an unbelievable. Uh, she had them wrapped around her little finger. Uh, <laughs> Becky wanted for the, all of us. I'm telling you, Rebecca, she was the trooper, at four years old, but boy, it was amazing. <sighs> Connie Robertson, uh, Pastor Robbie Robertson's wife, do you remember the moment your daughter took the stand and said, this did not happen? Yeah. What happened, Connie? Right now, I'm crying, so... Me uh, too, and I wasn't even there. Tell me um, what happened. Well, when she began to sing her ABC song, I thought I would die. I thought I would never hear my child again or hold her in my arms. And I just... Uh, I wanted to cry, but Bob said, don't cry. So I knew that if I looked her in the eye, I would be able to keep crying. When, 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 Mr., uh, when Mr. Van Sicklin started cross-examining Rebecca, and he says, you know the truth from a lie, Becky, obviously, yes. And uh, you know your ABCs? And she says, yes, I do. And he says, uh, let me hear it. And, well, Becky goes, well, go ahead, Becky. It's your show. Do it. <laughs> I just started singing my ABCs, just happy-go-lucky as can you be. You mean the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, that one? Yep. Yep, that one. Yep, that was it. And when Mr. Van Sicklin, I was talking to Bob yesterday, as a matter of fact, our attorney, yesterday, and he said when he looked, and watch that jury when she said that that right there was what totally totally took that jury they just wanted to run over and grab Rebecca and hug her but he said that's what absolutely just quenched it for us and destroyed the prosecutors and what they had done take a listen to this they handed the judge chip small the verdict and they said, on this count, not guilty. On this count, not guilty. Through 20-some times, not guilty, not guilty. And they said, is that the verdict of the jury? And the uh, jury, head of the jury stood up and said, yes, Your Honor, that's what it is. And so I sat down and lifted my hands and praised the Lord. My husband, I thought he was going to pass out, and I stood up to hold him up because I thought he was going to fall. And uh, anyway, the crowd went wild, more or less, you know, because it was not guilty. You are hearing the reactions to a not guilty verdict for Pastor Robertson and his wife, Connie. To Rebecca Osborne, their daughter, can you remember the moment that you guys were reunited? Yes, I do. It was actually uh, just a few days, if I remember correctly, before Christmas. Um, I was at my, my aunt and uncle's house, and uh, I, I remember it was kind of later at night, and uh, they came through the door, and I just jumped in my mom's arms 
And I was just so happy. I mean, I didn't even cry. I wasn't even sad. I wasn't even upset. I was just so happy to see my parents. It was just happiness, pure joy, pure joy. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience. Which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking about the so-called Wenatchee witch hunt. And the way it has devastated lives. I want to go to who I now consider to be friends, the Doggett family, Amber, Sam, John, Carol, and Mark. Amber, how has being forced to give testimony, to give a statement against your mother and father, landing them behind bars, how has that affected your life? First of all, let me ask you this. Did your parents ever molest you? No, Nancy, they did not. And what happened the night that I was interrogated by Tim Abbey and Bob Perez is immediately after that interrogation, my little sister Megan and I were placed in foster care and Bob Perez went to um, our our home and arrested my parents. And... For a large majority of my life since that moment, I carried the guilt of of my parents being arrested. And I, I blamed myself for um, the whole thing. And if I just would have been strong and told the truth that night, then none of this would have ever happened and my family would have uh, stayed together. I disagree, Amber. As much as I have grown to care for you, I disagree. Tom Grant... I don't think anything would have stopped her parents getting arrested, not even the truth. No, we can see, looking back, that the truth did not stop things. They refused to listen to anybody who told them the truth, and they kept pressuring people until they, till the police and CPS got the lies that they wanted. And I just want to say that these two families were great families, and great families before this happened and they were destroyed by what child protective services and Wenatchee police did to them. And I'm so sad that that happened. Amber, your life has been altered like everyone's because of this, the guilt of thinking as a little girl, you somehow sent your parents to jail. You do know it wasn't you, correct? You do know you were just a tool of someone else using you. I, I do know that, Nancy, and I do understand that I was manipulated and used um, 
but but I still felt felt guilty for a long time, and that guilt did lead to addiction and very um, poor health choices, very poor relationship choices, and and I was I was a miserable human being for a long time, and it's it's taken a lot of work to pull myself out of that and to um, a lot of hours in therapy, um, and and to finally be able to to accept. Um, you know, what, what happened to me. And, and I think it's also important to understand Nancy is that those five years that I was in the system, I was being treated. I was in therapy that, that entire time. And I was being treated for trauma that never occurred. And the trauma that was occurring during those five years was being dismissed, ignored, and, um, and completely, uh, just brushed aside as if, as if none of the trauma I was experiencing was happening. Um, I was being gaslighted. And, and so I was being treated for a trauma that didn't occur while my trauma that I was experiencing was being ignored. And that had a very large impact on how I was able to deal with things as an adult. To your sister, Sam, Sam, how did your part and this witch hunt affect you the rest of your life? I felt guilt in a different way. I felt guilty. I never said that my parents had ever did anything to me, but I felt guilty that because I ran away, I had the easy way out. I took the easy way out. I didn't stay in the system. I wasn't abused by the system because I ran away so I didn't have to deal with the trauma and the abuse that my siblings did by being stuck in that system. And so the guilt I felt was because I took the easy way out. And I still, I still feel that today. I feel, I feel really bad that it's just, it's very disheartening that my siblings had to go through that in a system that's supposed to protect children. And I had to run away and essentially live on the streets just to get away from it. You know, it sounds a lot like survivor's guilt. The one person that didn't, for instance, die in the car crash or uh, the one person that escaped from the house fire, you somehow feel guilty, like it's your fault. What happened to the others? Hey, who was just jumping in? That's Mark. Jump in, Mark. And everybody, if you're listening or watching right now, Mark and Carol are Amber, Sam, and John's parents. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, uh, Sam, Pinecrest, (laughs) that's abuse. I hear you. Sam Sam didn't escape everything. Sam, tell me when no. you decided to run away. Where were you? And how old were you when you ran away from all of this? I was 16. I had only been in the system for a few months. And I was, I believe I was in a foster home. And I just, I finally just had enough. They just kept lying to me. They wouldn't allow me to go to school. They wouldn't allow me to... Um, I had put myself on independent study. They wouldn't allow me to turn in my homework. Um, they kept lying to me about my siblings. In what way? What were the lies? Well, they told me that my sisters were very mad at me. They wanted me to tell the truth. Um, they were very upset with me. And it, it hurt my heart. It hurt my heart that my my sisters, my siblings would be upset with me. And... I just didn't understand why they kept lying to me. And they just kept saying, you know, like everybody else says, they just kept saying, we know your parents did this to you. We know your dad raped you. Why don't you just admit it? And it just disgusted me. When you ran away, Sam, where did you go? Um, I bounced around a lot. I went to um, various family friends, homes, um, family members, uh, friends I met along the way. I just moved around a lot. And how long were you basically on the run? Until I turned 18. Two years. And then I didn't have to run anymore. And that whole time you did not see your parents? Um, no. When I ran away, um, I, I snuck visits. I can't believe that, having to sneak visits with your mother and father. I mean, sometimes I literally count the hours so I can pick the twins up from school. I can't imagine sneaking visits with them. Nancy. Was- Jump in. Um, this is Carol, and I do remember one time we got, uh, Mark and I got a phone call uh, saying that Sam wanted to see us before she left town, and he, um, this friend had arranged 
a secret meeting between us um, up in the mountains at somebody's cabin. And so Mark and I drove up there late at night. It was scary. Like literally we were so afraid that we would get caught. And um, we were just out on um, bond, bond, I think it was before sentencing. And so we were getting ready to go, you know, we were going to be sent to prison and Sam was on the run. And here we were having this, this late night surreptitious meeting um, up in some cabin in the woods, um, just scared that we were going to get caught and just hugging and, and, you know, like just trying to cling to each other as long as we could until we were all separated again. When you heard the verdict, Carol, what happened? What went through your mind? I was furious, literally furious. And I just wanted to scream at the jury because we were convicted on Megan, the only child that hadn't even made any accusations against us until after trial started. And we were expecting for her to do what Rebecca did, get up on the stand and tell the truth because she had not made any accusations against us. But after the trial started, they had gotten to her because she had had a um, colposcopic examination that showed she had a notch on her hymen. And a notch isn't evidence of abuse at all, but they told her that it was. They convinced her, they convinced her after the trial started that she had been abused. And if she would just say it on the witness stand, if she would just say that she had been abused, then we would get treatment. That's what they told her. Her parents would get treatment for six months and then she could go home. And this little girl wanted to go home so badly that she had run away from her foster parents at one point, trying to chase a friend down the street to get her to take her home. Like Megan had literally climbed into a friend's van and begged her to go home. That's how badly she wanted to go home. And they got her to finally cave in and say that we had touched her between the legs. When she got up on the witness stand, I was devastated. And so when we were convicted by the jury, I just wanted to scream at them. I just wanted to scream, don't you see what you've done? Like, like, didn't you believe her when she said she wanted to go home and that she didn't remember until after? Like, they had just, there's a, there's a word for this, what they did to those kids, manipulation, showing them those dirty books, and it's called grooming. That's what they did. They were the offenders. They were the abusers, and they groomed these kids. And it's, it's Robbie, the most horrible thing I could imagine in life. Robbie here. Nancy? The thing that made the difference between Megan and Rebecca was one person, their attorney. Mr. Van Sicklin had an opportunity to speak to Rebecca just before she went on the witness stand. And Mr. Van Sicklin more or less kind of just had a good rapport. And it was obvious Bob told us that he had a good visit with her and he was hoping things would go right. And I can tell you with all the people, I mean, I've talked to all the kids and all the families, and that's why a lot of the lawsuits that were settled afterwards were against public defenders and money was obtained by some of these folks because they didn't have a defense. None of these attorneys bothered to, I guarantee you, Mark and Carol Doggett's attorney did not go and sit with Megan and say, Megan, this is really important. Your mom and dad really love you and blah, blah, blah. I can guarantee you that did not happen. And I'll bet you Mark and Carol will, will actually validate that. Speaking of Carol and Mark Doggett, the mother and father who really bore a brunt of this. Mark Doggett, can you remember when the jury verdict was announced? What happened? What went through your mind? Well, you're already in la-la land because this <clears throat> shouldn't all be happening. And then it, it was just unreal. I don't, I was probably in shock to some extent because I remember they they say the sentence in, in well, the yeah, the verdict is like unbelievable, but I still believe that, you know, nothing happened. So eventually this has got to be cleared up. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. 
I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zyn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Joining me is John Doggett. Uh, this is Carol and Mark's son. John, tell me your story. What happened? Uh, Nancy, that's a that's a big question. Uh, a lot mm. happened. Um, a lot like my sister Amber, I carried the guilt because I sat on the witness stand, looking at my parents and and said they did things to me that I knew weren't true. I I stared at the ground and told the lies that that. I had been groomed to tell and knowing that that's one of the things, well, now I know that it didn't send them to prison, but at the time, I mean, this was front page news every day in our town. I'm, I was going to school. I just, I, I sent my parents to prison and living with that has been hard ever since. Um, it, it's, it's a horrible way to live with that guilt from such a young age. Do you remember looking at your parents during the trial? Briefly, when I when I first got in and sat on the witness stand, I looked at them, um, and I actually remember thinking that my dad was my mom's lawyer because he had shaved so that he could look presentable in court and not like himself. Um, and I didn't even recognize him. How long had you How long had you been apart? Oh, at that time, it had been months already. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how long it was. Let me ask you a question. How old was Megan when she was put on the stand? She was nine. But nine, yeah. Guys, take a listen to this. And then one day, while we were in prison, we got word that Sam was in a terrible car accident in California. And she was injured and she was in a coma. And I was frantic. I remember strapping in. I remember driving a little bit. And it was rainy and stormy. And that's it. So as you are hearing, Sam is in a crash, a horrible crash. Can you imagine being behind bars and you find out your girl the one that you risked everything for, the secret meeting in a mountain cabin while you're out on bond and you swore you wouldn't get in touch with your children, but you want to see her so bad and hold her one more time that you do it anyway. That daughter, horrible crash. Listen to this. She won an insurance settlement after that accident. That accident was a miracle. It honestly was a miracle. Sam got the settlement money, and I was like, don't spend it on us. And finally, no, Mom, to stop. I'm getting you out. That's what's good for me. And I was like, OK. Do what's good for you. This is good for me, getting my parents back. I was like, OK. And the next thing I know, she was hiring us, an appellate attorney from New York. Sam, you're in this horrible crash. And guys, I want to remind you of something for the Robertson family. They are still struggling 
horribly in so many ways. There is a PayPal for them, Robertson Recovery PayPal. You can go to Robertson at Televar.com. I want to go back to Sam Doggett. You have the crash. You live through the crash. You get an insurance settlement. How did you decide, no question, you're using the money to get your parents out of jail, if that can be done? Like you said, there was no question about it. As soon as I found out that I was receiving this sum of money, I was like, yes, I need to get my parents out. I'm going to hire a real attorney and get my parents out. And I did not go to the state of Washington. There was no way in heck I was letting that happen. And I did not go to the state of Washington. There was no way in heck I was letting that happen. You know, I'm really overwhelmed, Carol. Uh, Guys, Carol is Sam's mom. Carol says she tells her daughter, don't spend it on me. Don't. You know, a mother's love. Carol, there's nothing like it, is there? Oh, no. (laughs) No, there's nothing like it. I love my children more than anybody on the planet. And, um, and I just, uh, I just always want what's best for them. Seriously. I have to say that, um, that I didn't want Sam to spend the money on me. I wanted her to get herself, you know, started in life. And I knew that I would get out of prison eventually. And, um, but when she did make the decision, uh, to hire an attorney told me about it afterwards. She said, I've hired this attorney. And I was, I was so proud of her. And it wasn't because she was getting me out is because she would do that with her money, that she would spend her money to get an innocent woman, her mom out of prison. And I, I was just really proud of her. I, I, I just thought she was so generous and, and, um, and beautiful and that she, that she loved me that much. And it just really, it was, it was a beautiful thing for her to do. And it worked. He did get us out. Take a listen to this. I wheeled out with all of my possessions and I was out of there. I'm happy to be out. Other nearby prisoners were yelling to Mark, we see your wife. We see your wife. She's out, she's out. You're gonna be out, you're gonna be out. I'm going to be reunited with my husband and my children, and I'm very happy um, to be released. You walk out the gate, you know, and there's all all cameras and and all this stuff. Yeah, it's bizarre, yeah. You know, it's the beginning of the second phase. You know, we, we got our freedom, now we get our kids. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, but it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I'm happy to be out. Other nearby 
prisoners were yelling to Mark, we see your wife. We see your wife. She's out. She's out. You're going to be out. You're going to be out. I'm going to be reunited with my husband and my children, and I'm very happy um, to be released. You walk out the gate, you know, and there's all all cameras and, and all this stuff. Yeah, it's bizarre, yeah. You know, it's the beginning of the second phase. You know, we, we got our freedom, now we get our kids. It wasn't that easy getting their children back. Guys, you've heard about Megan. Megan, who took the stand uh, at just nine years old. I want you to take a listen to our cut 33. Unfortunately, Megan came out of things very confused. Megan was our younger sister, and she was nine at the time that my parents were arrested. She finally got to a point where she felt safe enough to tell the truth. Megan wrote a letter to this teacher that she trusted and recanted. She said that she had never been abused by her parents. Every time a child told the truth, they got in trouble, almost without exception. After Megan recanted in that letter, her foster parents kicked her out of their house. The repercussions that Megan faced after recanting were so severe that she quickly went back to saying that she had been abused. Um, and, and she stuck with that. To Tom Grant, the co-executive producer of In the Valley of Sin, what repercussions did this little nine-year-old girl face when she writes a letter to the teacher saying, this never happened to me? She's living in a home with, with foster parents who have who thrive and because and are rewarded because she's a, a victim of sexual abuse. And when she when she recants, you know, it, it undermines their whole belief about her and everything. And they can't just accept her as a person. And so they have to, you know, punish her. And it's the system punishes her because they feel that, well, if these foster parents weren't uh, maintaining the, uh, the, you know, their version of the truth, then then she must, there must be something wrong with them. So you understand how the child gets punished every time that the, that the system finds some kind of disappointment. And, and this is tremendously troubling because our system should be there to protect the children and instead they're harming them and, and causing them immense amounts of pain and trauma. And I just, this is, this is Amber speaking, and I, I just need to jump in here because it is more insidious than that, Nancy. The, the foster home that she was at, I lived in that home with her for a short amount of time after our parents were sentenced and sent away to prison. And I, the, the father in that foster home was a state trooper and friends with many police officers. They would have police officers over to their house for barbecues. Um, we, you know, they socialized uh, with Bob Perez and... Um, and I ran away from that foster home. And when they picked me up and brought me back and they asked me why I had run away, I told them that it was because I hated Bob Perez. And they immediately threw me out of their house and said, I don't want this girl in my house anymore. Um, and, and so it, it's not just that, um, that Megan you know, their excuse for kicking Megan out of the house was that she had lied to them um, and all of that. But it was it was very, very obviously a years earlier. Um, and and they were they were in close ties with with the police officers 
involved in the case. I'm just thinking about my own children at age nine and how tender and naive and innocent they were at nine and still are at 13. This nine-year-old girl tries to tell her teacher, I was never molested. She's immediately, she's already been torn away from her parents, groomed. Then she gets thrown out of the foster home because she's trying to recant her story. It's almost too much for a child to undergo. And I'm heartbroken to state that Megan was never the same after that. Listen. We never did get her back as Megan. They were able to pretty much completely brainwash her to the point where she didn't know if she had been abused or not. She never called me mom again. Never threw her arms around my neck. She never bonded again. It pretty much broke me. And to make matters worse, there will never be a chance to fix it. Listen. I got a phone call out of the blue one afternoon that uh, Megan had an accident. She was swimming with a youth group. Uh, she was 21, and a couple of the younger girls that they were with started drowning. So Megan jumped in um, to rescue them. Um, the two girls were okay, um, and Megan um, ended up dying. I had to call my dad and my sisters and tell them that she was dead. I felt a, a very, very strong feeling inside of Megan tell me she knew the truth now. To Sam Doggett, the daughter that ran away, Sam, when you look back on what Megan endured, the fact that she never rebonded with her parents, she didn't know whether she'd been molested or not molested, the years she spent in foster being told over and over and over, this happened to you, this happened to you, kicked out when she tried to recant. And now she's gone. And it can never be fixed. It's just so hard to take in. I want to hear your thoughts. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking and infuriating that they took her from us and we'll never get the chance in this lifetime to have our Megan back. She was our Megan. She was our baby. We all loved her. She was the youngest and it disgusts me and just makes me so mad what they did to her, how they messed with her mind and her memories and her heart to turn her against us like that. It just makes me sick. Carol Doggett, the mom, when you think about Megan now, how do you feel? What do you think? Um, it might sound kind of crazy, but I just, I can't stop trying to bond with her. You know, I have pictures of her everywhere and I have her artwork and I just, um, I'm looking at one of her pictures right now and I just always, I just want her with me. And, um, and I ask if she'll like come to me in dreams and, and I just, I would do anything to see her again. Does she come to you in dreams? She has actually, she has a couple of times. What happened? And, um, and she's been, she's been happy <laughs> and, uh, and acts just normal, you know, like bringing in the groceries and it's, and, and it's just normal. And I wake up, I wake up feeling very, very happy. Like she has reached out to me 
and that and that she does still have a connection. What about you, Mark? Oh, I I'm convinced. I I had a moment at uh at the end uh Megan's wake. It was pretty much over and I was sitting in my friend's backyard and I I felt I felt Megan and I felt she was telling me she's okay. So I'll hold on to that. <laughs> and it's much like Carol said, she's she's reaching out, she know she's letting us know she's okay and we'll see her again. God willing. When an injustice occurs, the wake it leaves behind never ends. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner.